One of my favorite quotes is from an author named Kurt Thompson. He says that every human being is born into the world looking for someone looking for them. That every human being is born into the world looking for someone looking at them. And it's true for babies. Babies are born into the world looking for someone looking for them. It's true as you grow older. Old people (laughs) are looking for someone looking for them. Why is that? It's the human condition. We're hardwired for it. We all deeply long for connection, belonging. We want to be seen. We want to be known and not rejected. Winston Churchill, the great British statesman, prime minister, he led them through World War II. For him, that person was his father that he looked to. His father's name was Lord Randolph Churchill, and Winston longed for his dad's approval. He longed for his dad's gaze on his life, and he never quite measured up. He never quite found it. He was raised in a boarding school. He went to, uh, eventually, to the British version of West Point. It's called Sandhurst. I'm going to share, this is a letter written from... Winston's father to him when he's a young man. Again, I didn't put this one in different translations because I didn't trust Google Translate, so this is all going to be in English on the screen. But here's the letter from Lord Randolph Churchill. He says, there are two ways of winning an examination, one creditable and the other the reverse. You have unfortunately chosen the latter method and appear to be much pleased with your success. The first extremely discreditable failure of your performance was missing the infantry, for in that failure is demonstrated beyond refutation your slovenly, happy-go-lucky, harem-scarum style of work for which you have been distinguished at your different schools. Never have I received a really good report of your conduct in your work from any master or tutor. Always behindhand, never advancing in your class, incessant complaints of total want of application. With all the advantages you had, with all the abilities which you foolishly think yourself to possess, this is the grand result that you come up with among the second rate and third rate who are only good for commissions in a cavalry regiment. You imposed on me an extra charge of some 200 pounds a year. Do not think that I'm going to take the trouble of writing you long letters after every failure and folly you commit and undergo, because I no longer attach the slightest weight to anything you may say about your own accomplishments and exploits. Make this position indelibly impressed upon your mind that if your conduct and action is similar to what it has been in other establishments, then my responsibility for you is over. I shall leave you to depend on yourself giving you merely such assistance as may be necessary to permit of a respectable life. Because I'm certain that if you cannot prevent yourself from leading the idle, useless, unprofitable life that you have had during your school days and latter months, you will become a mere social wastrel, one of the hundreds of the public school failures, and you will degenerate into a shabby, unhappy, and futile existence. If that is, so you will have to bear all the blame for such misfortunes yourself. Your affectionate father, Randolph S.C. Note to self, 
not how to parent. Like, woo. Winston Churchill, obviously, we know, like, turned his life around and became something. But the sad story is that he never won the affection of his father. In fact, later on in life, he wrote a two-volume work on his father, still chasing his affection. But I believe those words rang in his ears, maybe even more so rang in his heart. Because people that knew Winston Churchill well said that later on in life, he could quote portions of that letter from memory. The human heart is always searching, looking for someone, looking for you. And for you, it may not be tied to your father. It may be tied to some other person or some other voice in your life. But I'm fairly certain we all carry some of those insecurities. Who are you looking for? Looking for you. Today's a special day. Today we get to baptize some people. Three in particular. Today's the day when three people are going to publicly declare their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Miles Beetleman, Yawensi Mentos, and Barbara Morris. Today is special for them, but today is special for us too. Everyone in the room today has a part to play in this. I'm curious. If you're someone in the room today who, has, who is a baptized believer in Jesus, would you stand up real quick? I'm, I don't mean to call out those that aren't, but I'm just curious. If you're someone who's been baptized before, would you stand up? Yeah. There's a lot of people who've been baptized. You can grab a seat. To you this morning, those who have been baptized, I encourage you to remember your baptism. That somehow in this, in what's going to happen today, may it spark a memory. I maybe would invite you sometime before you're done today, come up and stick your finger in the water. Don't jump in, but just feel the water. I want you to remember your baptism. For me, I was baptized at a church picnic at Louisville Park down in Clark County when I was in middle school. I'm curious, anyone remember where you were and how old you were when you got baptized? Anyone? Stella? About seven in the backyard of Gil Strauss' home. Awesome. 29 at a lake in Bellingham. 29 years old at a lake in Bellingham? 23 in a church in Northeast Portland. Awesome. 18 Lake Roosevelt. Lake Roosevelt? 18 at a swimming hole? Swimming pool? In the Jordan River? Awesome. 16 in the Atlantic Ocean. 16 in the Atlantic? Somewhere back over here? 16 on the Atlantic River back of our friend Awesome. 20 years old in the Congo? Yeah. I've seen their baptism cards. They've showed them to me at their house. Did you have one, Tabitha? Yeah, five in a baptismal in the church. In the church. Awesome. Friends, if you have been baptized, I invite you to remember your baptism today. 
If you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus who has not yet been water baptized, I want you to know that God invites you to. If you're someone in the room today who has not become a follower of Jesus, hopefully you'll hear today why this is important and you'll discover God's heart for you too. Because in baptism, here's what's beautiful about this activity. We live in a world battling for identity and allegiance. We live in a world with many voices who try to tell us who we are and whose we are. Right? In so many spheres, in so many places, in so many parts of life, those two issues, identity and allegiance, the voices sound out. So in the world of technology, you're a Mac or you're a PC. You're an Apple phone or an Android user. In terms of politics, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you're an independent, you're progressive, you're MAGA, you're liberal. In the realm of economics, you're the 99% or you're the 1%, upper class, middle class, lower class. In the realms of relationships, you're married, you're single. In the realm of sexuality, you're straight, you're gay, you're trans, many other options. In the realm of food, you're a vegan, vegetarian, carnivore, baconvore, omnivore. <laughs> but in all the ways in which we can slice and dice identity and allegiance, is that really the core of the core of who you are? Who are you? Does your food, your technology, your politics, your economics, your relationship status, does that define who you are? We live in this identity tug of war. So many warring, competing voices among us. And with our identity then comes some measure of allegiance. But for the Christian, for the Christ follower, for the disciple of Jesus, baptism the simple yet profound act stands as a symbol and a ceremony, a sacrament designed to proclaim the truth about who you are and whose you are, about your identity and your ultimate allegiance. In baptism, we celebrate that you belong to Jesus and you belong to his kingdom. In the original language of the New Testament, the word baptize is the Greek word baptizo. In the most literal sense, it means to, to submerge, to dunk. And the word picture often associated with that was uh, dyeing cloth. You would take a piece of fabric and you would baptize it, you would baptizo it into a dye so that the change agent, the dye, would fully permeate the clothing. That's the word that the writers of the New Testament used to describe this thing that Jesus' followers would do. They would be baptized. Full immersion that signifies substantial change. So today, this is what we're celebrating. I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture that, that speaks of this. If you have a Bible, a Bible app, if you to open up, it will have the verses on the screen as well. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. 
Paul the Apostle writes this and says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Baptism reminds us, first of all, that we have this new identity. This is who we are. It reminds us who we are. And Paul talks about this baptism He talks about identification, or maybe even to put it another way, unification, that we are unified with Jesus by faith, that in Christ you have actually become a son of God with all the rights, responsibilities, and privileges that come with that. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, that we have been united, joined, unified with Jesus by faith, so that every aspect of his redemptive work is now true for you. That's mind-blowing, that everything that Christ has done is now true for you, that everything that belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to you, that everything that is true about Christ is now true for you. It's the entire thrust of his argument that we are identifying with him so that we are able to share in all that is his. Joined with Jesus, joined to Jesus, identifying with Jesus. It's your new identity. This is some good news, friends. This means that you are not identified simply by your past. Thank God. Right? You are not identified based upon your sin, your addictions, your brokenness, or your failures. You are not identified based on your worst moment. Thank the Lord. But also, you're not identified by your best moment either. That means you're not identified based upon your accomplishments. You're not identified by your GPA. You're not identified by your sports accolades, your job title, your bank account, your moral achievement, or your good works. You are not identified by your social standing, by your socioeconomic standing, by your geopolitical citizenship, your 401k, or your net worth. You are not identified by having a home, a big home, a small home, or no home. It's not your race, your ethnicity, your sexual preference that marks you most. That's the end of Galatians 3. He says, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. And the point isn't that those things don't matter or that they disappear altogether, but really that there's a leveling, there's a reordering that's happening because in this context, in the ancient world, it was male, female. It was free, slave, And in certain communities, Jew and Greek, or Greek and Jew, depending on which perspective you had. But there's a a leveling, a reordering that happens, that God takes all those things that once were our markers and says, this is now the thing that defines you most, me and my love for you. And so God can bring together different people from different backgrounds and different distinctive identity markers and put us together in his family equally loved by him.
In baptism, we're declaring that we belong to Christ. We've put on Christ. Romans 6 has the picture, which we'll enact today, that Jesus, we know from the scriptures, he died. And in baptism, we say that we died too. Romans 6 says that Jesus was buried. And in baptisms, we say we were buried too. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus came out of the tomb on that third day in resurrection life. And in baptism, we're saying we, too, we are too. That one day the resurrection will happen and we will be joined with Jesus in resurrection life. Not just a resurrection life for the future, but a resurrection life that begins today. It's for the here and now too. This is the picture of baptism. Coming up out of the waters, expressing that you are alive, forgiven, free to walk in newness of life, a new identity, old self, old person, old habits, old ways, dead and buried in union with Jesus. And now in baptism, you get a chance to walk out a new life because of what he's done. Baptism is not just about bad people becoming good. Baptism is about dead people coming to life again. Does baptism save you? Oh, Jesus saves. It's by faith we're saved. No more than this ring, putting it on, doesn't make me married. It's, a, it's an outward sign and symbol of a deeper inward reality. But when the inward meaning is there, this holds lots of meaning to me. But I can take off my ring and still be married. It's not married, unmarried, married, unmarried. Same with baptism. The water doesn't save you. But there's an inward reality by faith that is being publicly proclaimed here that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has saved me of my sins, that I'm aligning with his ways, and my old self is dead, and I get to walk with a new sense of knowing who I am. It's a beautiful symbol. You have a father. It means you're his child. It means you have his approval, his acceptance, his love. A father unlike Winston Churchill's father who just berates and picks on failure and weakness and lack. But a father who says, I love you. I'm for you. I've offered you everything. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. But by being immersed in Jesus, you have an inheritance. The Bible says that you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You have an open access relationship to the God of the universe on the most intimate of terms that you can call him Abba, Daddy. We're no longer slaves. We're sons. We're in the family. We don't have to beg. We don't have to grovel. We don't have to fear. The Father's love casts out our fear. And no matter how screwed up our lives may be, no matter how screwed up our earthly families may be, that we have a family, a family, we have a father, we are deeply loved, we have an identity. This is not just individual, this is corporate. Together, united in Jesus. So, it... I'll, I'll, I'll keep moving here. You want to see people get in the water, don't you? <laughs> Identity, but also allegiance. 
This is a public ceremony of allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. In the United States, in most of our schools, every day they start with the Pledge of Allegiance, right? To the republic for which it stands. For Christians, ancient and modern, when you go in the water and you come out, you are declaring that your life belongs to Jesus and your allegiance is to him. It's the beginning of your journey where you declare Jesus first. Jesus first. Saying yes to Jesus means that you may say no to other things. Saying yes to the light means that you say no to the darkness. Saying yes to the kingdom of God means you say no to the kingdom of this world. In fact, in ancient times, we won't do this today, but those being baptized in ancient times would renounce their allegiance to the devil and his works, and they would spit on the devil. We'll keep the spitting down today. But there was a renunciation of allegiance, saying I have a new way and a new master and a new kingdom that I'm living for. This is serious, holy, beautiful, but also I don't want you to feel like it's um, overly weighty in this sense. And I can be like, oh, this is a lot. What's happening here? Um, to those who have been baptized today, I want you to think in your mind's eye. We've heard, we've heard 5, 20, 40, all different ages of people being baptized. But when, when you were baptized on that day, did you know everything about God that you have come to know? You laugh, don't you? Have you grown maybe a little? Just, just a tidge? Are there things about God that you've discovered? Things about yourself that you've discovered? Things about this world that you've discovered in different ways? Yeah. Have you sinned since then? Yeah. Grown since then? Changed since then? So this is not some declaration of perfection, that you have it all together. But again, this is about reminding yourself who you are and whose you are and marking out a, a, a beginning of a new path that will last until the age to come of knowing and following Jesus. I think of it like a, a new ship that gets commissioned and christened and they crack a bottle of champagne on the bow or wherever they crack it. I don't know. I'm not a boating person. Christening it for a new journey that's ahead in this act of declaration and celebration, we're commissioning you to the journey of following God ahead. And we're here to do it with you and celebrate the ups and the downs, to pray with you, to stand with you, to cheer you on. But we're so excited of what God is doing in your life. It's about identity, who you are. It's about allegiance whose you are. So what do you say we baptize today? Yeah, you can go get, we're going to bring up some of the kiddos from downstairs so they get a chance to, to watch and witness. We're going to baptize in the name of the Father, reminding that these people are fully approved being placed into the family of God. We're going to baptize in the name of Jesus the Son, reminding that we are servants of the King created for humble worship. 
We're going to baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit, reminding that we are sent ones to be fruitful and share the love of God in our lives and our words for all of our days. Okay, the time has come.